Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to be talking about taking a seat at the table. Taking a seat at the table, what does that mean exactly? For me, it means building confidence in yourself and building the confidence of others in you as well, being present and active. And what I mean by all of that is very simple. We all go to different meetings and there's often table in the middle of the room, then you've got the extra chairs around the outside of the room for the overflow, right? There are obviously certain meetings where only the bosses are supposed to be at the table and it's very well known that that's how the rules are. But there are other times where anyone can sit at the table and you all know those people, the ones that get there early, get a seat at the table, they participate in the meeting while you may be sitting in the back row because you feel like, "Mm, I'm not sure I belong at the table. That's ridiculous. Everybody belongs at the table. Anybody that wants to be somebody in their position, anybody that has any kind of ambition to excel and demonstrate themselves as a leader, not a manager, a leader should be at that table. If there are enough seats for everybody, sit at that table, sit up straight, be present and participate. Being at that table means that you are a part of that meeting. You are a part of that workshop or that, that whatever is taking place at that table, that discussion. You should be a part of it. If you were invited to that meeting, why are you not sitting at that table? Why are you sitting in the back row? Unless your boss specifically says, I'm sorry, you don't belong at the table. Why aren't you sitting at the table? You might say, well, I'm new. I'm just an intern. I'm just junior staff. I'm just learning. I don't care. Get up, grab a seat at that table and sit there. Be in the meeting. Be someone that they can't help but notice in a good way, right? In order to progress and advance and really be recognized as someone that is going to get involved and roll up their sleeves and really be a part of the team, you need to push the boundaries a little bit, both your comfort boundaries and your boss's comfort boundaries. Maybe they just said you could sit at the table, but they didn't expect you to speak. Well, You are at two or three of these meetings now and you notice something that's impactful or useful that you could provide feedback wise. You have experience in something from maybe a different position or a different project that you are working on that you could provide that would be valuable content. Raise your hand wait till it's your turn to speak. However, however they call on you to provide your input, shock them. When they all look at you, when you're raising your hand down at the end of the table, thinking, why is this person raising their hand to offer input? We didn't ask them. But then you provide value or you provide some kind of impactful nugget of information. They're going to think twice next time about wondering why 
you're raising your hand. Perhaps in the future they'll ask you, so what do you think about this problem that we're trying to solve? Do you have any suggestions or ideas? Being at the table means being a part of the conversation, being a part of the solution. A long time ago, I had a mentor who was the person that taught me this. Take a seat at the table. We had a weekly staff meeting, big long table in the middle of the room. Probably 20, 25 people would sit around this this table and they would do their status updates of what's going on with all of their projects. And there were chairs around the outside of the table along the wall. And every week I would come in and I would sit along the wall. And maybe, I don't know, three or four meetings in, this mentor was a pretty new employee. He got there a little bit early, like I said, I think the third or fourth day. And I'm sitting already there because I was always early to meetings. And I was sitting in my chair against the wall. And he walks right up to me and says, why are you sitting in this chair? And I thought, I looked to my left, I looked to my right, I'm thinking, gee, I don't know, I guess I could have sat in that one. He's like, that's not what I'm talking about. He goes, you've been here for how long? And I said, well, yeah, I can't sit at the table. You know, I, I, I'm not this, I'm not that. And he's like, I don't care about any of that. He goes, you have something to say, do you not? I said, well, yeah, usually I have some, some kind of input to provide. And he's like, is there a rule against sitting at the table? And I thought, well, I, I had always kind of assumed that it was an unwritten rule, that only the really senior people sat there. But when I gave it some thought, there were always a few outlier people that seemed kind of obnoxious or arrogant that would sit up there. And I thought, oh, well, you know, those are kind of the guys that are, they're really bold. So I I don't want to be seen as that. And he looked at me and he said, well, why not? Why do you not want to be seen as a bold person that is going to step outside their comfort zone to provide value for this meeting? And I thought, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't have a good answer. So then I felt stupid, of course, because, you know, well, I don't have a good answer. I'm still sitting here by the wall. And he just continued to stand there staring at me, waiting for me to gather up my notebook and my pens and pencils and move myself to the table, which I did because, you know, this person was definitely more senior than me, had been around for, for, you know, probably 15, 20 years at that point, longer than I had in the professional workforce. And I thought, well, maybe he knows something I don't. And if I get in trouble for sitting there, I'm just going to say, well, he made me do it. And, you know, you chuckle at that, but that's, of course, what was going through my mind is he gave me permission. So if for some reason I get to that table and I'm not supposed to be there, I can say that if I have to. Well, I sat at that table that day and every meeting from then on, and I became someone in that meeting that was asked for input regularly because I picked my moments. I paid attention to what was going on. I took some notes. I mean, obviously, if you're sitting at the table, if you're sitting anywhere in that room, you should not be frantically copying down verbatim what is being said. You know, learn how to take brief notes, jot something down here and again so that you don't forget things. But 
when you're in a meeting with a group like that, the last thing you want to be doing is having your head down and be frantically writing down everything they say word for word, unless you are the meeting scribe, which oftentimes this meeting had one where they would send out meeting notes after the meeting. You shouldn't be doing that. You, you, you should be in the meeting paying attention to what's going on because Oftentimes, if you're paying attention, there is value for you to provide. Otherwise, they wouldn't be inviting you. If they've invited you to the meeting, then they either A, want you to get something out of the meeting, or B, provide something to the meeting, or C, all of the above, right? So if you're in that meeting, you should be paying attention to everything that's going on. And if it's a recurring meeting, then there's always little tidbits that you should be able to carry forward from the meeting last time to the meeting this time. And I'm not necessarily talking about specific meeting details. Perhaps they talk about a different subject at every single meeting, so you can't carry that forward. But you can carry forward the dynamics of the room. Who is in that room? Who is speaking? Who is leading that meeting? You know, is the person who is the person in charge or the person who called the meeting, are they leading the meeting or are there other people that are leading the meeting, right? Because you don't have to have called the meeting to lead it. They may just be there to get information from the group. When you're in there and you're listening to what's going on, watch the dynamics of how people interact with one another. If you are in this room It's an opportunity for you to see what's going on, presumably at a higher level than you, right? I mean, you're getting a peek behind the curtain to see how things go. So pay attention to that because it could come in handy at some point. Listen to the other comments that people are making. Are they constructive? Are they helpful? Or are they just looking for an opportunity to speak? I'm sure you've been in a meeting. I know I've been in several where you go and there's always that person at the table and they always have a lot to say, but they really aren't saying anything. They just sit there and they talk and they want the bosses to think that, oh, I've got a lot to say. I'm useful and I'm valuable. Meanwhile, all they are is talking about their lunch. Obviously not specifically, but they are. They're just rambling on, regurgitating whatever it is that's already been discussed so that they can feel like they are being heard. Don't be that person. Be the person that provides value. Be the person that people stop and listen to and think, huh, maybe they have something worthwhile to say. So that when the next meeting happens and something comes up, perhaps they're looking around the table and they say, Hey, so what do you think about this? That's the person you want to be. That's the person that will go far in your organization. The other guy may go far too, but at some point, people figure out baloney. They figure out the posers. And even if they continue to grow and advance, they'll always be known as the posers. You want to be known as the provider of substance and value guidance, and wisdom, those are the kinds of things that really set a career apart, set an employee apart, offer you opportunities to participate in bigger and better things. So when you're sitting at that table and you're listening to everything that goes around, perhaps there's protocols that need to be 
adhered to for providing your input. Maybe the rule is, is you're, you're new there, you get to sit at the table, but you're only permitted to listen. That's fine. Listen for a couple of meetings, pay attention to how things go in the room, and then be like a kid. You know how kids, they test the boundaries, they push and push and push, stay up just a little bit later, take a little bit longer to do things. They're constantly testing the boundaries of their parents' guidance or rules. How far can I take this before I'm going to get in trouble? Be that kid. Perhaps you just offer a comment. Perhaps you whisper it to the person sitting next to you. Figure out, as you're watching the dynamic of this room, what will push those boundaries, but not get you into trouble. Right? So you're there to observe for a couple times. You're at the table. You're listening to everything that's going on. You're noticing that, you know, every once in a while, someone new will offer up a point of information. Why can't that be you? Oh, because you're too junior? So? If you say something that solves a problem or offers a real nugget of value, it is going to be very difficult in that setting, in front of all of those people, for whoever is running that meeting to turn to you and say, um, excuse me, we didn't ask you. Because now you've just provided a piece of value and they will look like an idiot. They're not going to do that. You may get talked to afterwards saying, you know, the protocol is you're not supposed to talk. And then that's your opportunity to say, gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just thought that that piece of information that I offered would be of value. In the future, how should I approach it? Would you prefer that I come and talk to you afterwards if I've learned something or seen something that could be helpful? I love the saying, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. That's always been the way I've handled my actions in my career. Uh, I like to joke that I love to run until tackled. You set me to do a task. You ask me to run a program or a project or whatever it is. I'm not going to stop and ask permission at every turn. I did that when I was brand new. And not only was it counterproductive, it slowed everything down. And there's nothing that makes me crazier than a slow pace. So I learned that as long as I was giving my best effort and I was busting my butt to do a really good job, if I ran too far afield or too far ahead or I kind of colored outside the lines a little bit or thought outside the box, perhaps it made some folks a little uncomfortable, but usually I didn't get in too much trouble, right? Whereas if you asked the question beforehand and said, I want to change things up a little and do this, people are going to think about it and uh, I don't know if we're comfortable with that because that's not normally how we do things. They just can't visualize it, right? Or they, they just, they're a little afraid that if you do this, other people are going to start coloring outside the lines and they just don't know how that's going to go and it it just causes all kinds of stress. So of course, they're, they're, they're not going to look for any big changes and they're just going to say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. But if you're a good employee and you're busting your butt, you are demonstrating good results at the end. If you want to color outside the lines a little bit, in my experience, sometimes I had to ask for forgiveness and say, gosh, I know that wasn't protocol and I did it a little bit different than I was supposed to, but this is what we got in the end. Usually the ends justified the means. There were times where 
you know, a supervisor may have said to me, well, in the future, perhaps you should ask about this or, or maybe try to do it a little bit more traditionally. I get that. And I was respectful. I'm really sorry. There was a time crunch. I had to make an on-the-fly decision. We had to get things done. The normal resources weren't available. I mean, you know, you talk your way out of it. You apologize sincerely. I mean, I apologize because I felt bad for making them feel uncomfortable that I was willing to do what it takes. And I get that. Not everybody is a run-until-tackled kind of player. But most of the people that I worked with that got anywhere and got things done were run-until-tackled kind of people. They would rather ask forgiveness than ask permission at every gate stop. And I think that once you demonstrate that you are a person of value and you are a person who is going to be respectful of the boundaries, you get a little bit more leeway, right? I mean, I'm not talking about doing illegal things or, or wildly unethical things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about maybe instead of doing the spreadsheet exactly the same way for every single project, I took some liberties and reworked it in some way that would be more beneficial to the project that I was working on. And that's really a crude example, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about thinking outside of the box on a smaller scale to get things done in possibly ways that they haven't thought of, that you have. And if you consistently get your job done and you do it well, then when you start straying outside that box, you're going to get less pushback. You're going to get less questions because they trust you. You've developed and earned that trust from your leadership. So they may be thinking that, you know, Kelly doesn't always do it the way we'd like it to be done, but... She's developing her own system and it's working and she gets the results that we're looking for. And as long as she's staying, you know, not going too far outside the fray of what the guidance is, it's fine. So bringing this back to taking a seat at the table, when you are in a meeting like that and you're sitting at the table and you're listening to what's going on, you're getting a whole bunch of opportunities here, right? You are able to see how your leadership is reacting with one another, how they're interacting, how they're they're discussing things, what their points of view are. You're getting to see how all of the other um, employees, either your peers or above you, are interacting with them. Not that you can't do that from the galley seats around the outside, but you have now set yourself apart from those folks down in the back of the room, around the edges of the periphery. You have said, look at me, I want to play. I am coming to the table and I want to be a part of this group. Therefore, I'm confident in the value that I can provide and bring, and that is why I'm sitting at the table. So you're demonstrating to them that you have confidence in yourself by going and sitting at that table instead of lurking in the background. It demonstrates confidence. It demonstrates your willingness to want to be included. It demonstrates being assertive. There are so many positive things that this demonstrates. Now, I mentioned the 
bold guy that sits at the table that just talks and talks and talks, doesn't provide any value, seems really arrogant about being at the table and entitled and all of those negative things. Obviously, if you're picking up on those things and you're seeing them, other people are too. And that's not what I'm talking about doing, right? If you're looking at that and you're scratching your head thinking, oh, wow, how is that person still in this meeting and why isn't anybody noticing this? I guarantee you they are. You know, if you are going to go and sit at the table as well, the idea at that point is to set yourself apart from that person in a positive way, right? Don't be that guy. Don't be the one that just rambles on and on about stupid stuff just to hear yourself talk and demonstrate to people that you have a mouth. That's probably not going to work for you. If we're honest, that's probably not what you want, right? That's not what you want to be recognized for. You want to be recognized as someone that wants to be included in the discussion. So if you're sitting at the table, there are a few rules, right? You have to pay attention, again, to what the unwritten rules are or whatever the published rules are if your organization is that formal and they say, you know, if you come to the table, you have to be this level and you have to sit here or you have to sit there, you're not allowed to talk. If there are rules about how the meetings are conducted, obviously follow those rules. But if you're going to go and you're going to sit at the table and there are no hard and fast rules about how this all works and you can find opportunities to be active participant at that table, then you need to do that. If you're going to go and sit at the table just to sit at the table, just to sit and take notes like you would in the back row, get up and go back to the back row. You don't deserve to be at that table. There's no need for you to be there because the people at the table are part of the meeting. The people sitting around the background are just that. They're in the background. You need to be present and active and contributing. Now look, in some of the meetings I had to go to, there's just not enough seats at the table. So those outside peripheral seats are there to make sure that everybody has someplace to sit. And everybody is participating. Perhaps they go all the way around the room. I get that, right? If you can get there early and get a seat at the table without, you know, bumping your director out of a seat, which would be wholly inappropriate, get there early and get a seat at the table. You want to be that aggressive go-getter that demonstrates that you want to be seen, but in a respectful and professional way. If you're always that guy or that girl that gets there just before the, the meeting starts and you're always grabbing the seat right by the door so that the minute the, the meeting is over, you can bolt out the door and disappear and not interact with anybody, you could be that person. I was that person at times when I just didn't want to deal with anybody. As an introvert, sometimes that's a very comfortable place to be. But there are consequences to that. You know, if you're that person sitting by the door that doesn't get involved, that comes at the very last minute and bolts before anybody has a chance to, to mingle on the way out the room, then you are not going to be building any other relationships you are not going to demonstrate that you want to play. You're just there to get the information or to fill the requirement of coming to the meeting, and then you're bolting. Again, if that's your goal, if that's your objective, fine. But own it, because it may 
mean that there are limitations on the growth that you can experience in that position because you're just not putting in the full effort. I'm not saying that sitting at the table is a comfortable spot, especially as an introvert, having to sit at the table and trying to really find ways to contribute and provide value and being interactive, you know, kind of being a little bit in the spotlight, depending on the the meeting or the situation. It's not always entirely comfortable, but if you want the bigger prize, you got to do the work, right? If you want to move up the chain or you want to be recognized or you want the good pieces of work, whatever the, whatever the value is that you're perceiving from these meetings, that the people that are actively participating and contributing, if, if, if that's what you want, then you got to do what you got to do. You should know your place. Again, if you are coming to the meeting and you are taking a seat at the table, go the extra step and push the boundaries but know your place. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that just says stuff just to say stuff. Go and make it a good experience for your leadership and your coworkers that you're sitting at that table. Demonstrate that you belong there and you do that by what you say and do. So it's your next meeting. I hope you will consider getting there a little bit early and grabbing your seat at the table paying close attention to what's going on and the relationships and the interactions in there and using those to your advantage, incorporating that knowledge into how you interact with others and at that meeting. I know it will serve you well. Good luck and have a great day. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident. Stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one.